Well, we're here this morning. Many of you are disappointed that the church building is empty, but we rejoice that the tomb is empty. And that's why we're here. I kind of got a kick out of the self-quarantine that the disciples did. The Bible tells us, both in John and Luke, that the disciples after the resurrection were behind locked doors for fear of reprisal of the Jewish leaders and the Roman soldiers. So there they were quarantined when Jesus showed up. My prayer this morning is that Jesus will show up in your house, in your quarters, the car, wherever you're listening to this. I pray that Jesus will be personal to you. You know, we talked about Good Friday. There are many people throughout this world that are caught up and stuck in, on Friday. They're stuck with a disappointment that they have in Jesus Christ, perhaps. Or perhaps that Jesus, in their hosannas in the beginning of the week, turned to crucify him at the end of the week simply because he didn't meet your expectations. Well, and then there are others who are caught up on Saturday. That's a day of silence. There's nothing recorded about Saturday. And you're just kind of oblivious to it. Maybe that you have empathy a little bit, but not so much about this whole resurrection story. And then there's the rest of us that are so excited about the Resurrection Sunday. Well, I pray that this message today will be hope and encouragement to everyone, whether you're in Friday, Saturday, or Sunday's experience. I come to you in the third chapter of John. And Jesus is talking to a man by the name of Nicodemus. And as he's talking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a rabbi, a very wealthy man evidently, and he just had some questions. He was dealing with this thing about Jesus, who he really was. Was he a prophet? Was he just a teacher? Was, what, was he what the people said he was? What about what the disciples were expecting? Was he to be the new king of Israel? What exactly was this thing with Jesus? So the Bible says that, that Jesus during the night came and spoke with Nicodemus. Verse 11 says, Verily, Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. But how then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. But you know, Easter is not a time that a lot of people relish. From the standpoint of Good Friday, the torture that Jesus endured, the humiliation, the mockery, 
the, the spit mixed with blood on his face on that crucifixion Friday. And yet here we are on Resurrection Sunday. Crowds seem to be greater at Christmas than they are at Easter. And the reason being is Christmas just has that little sentimental effect. We don't think about it. But folks, without Easter, there would be no Christmas. John Irving, the writer, wrote, Anyone can be sentimental about the nativity. Any fool can feel like a Christian at Christmas. But Easter is the main event. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you're not a believer. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Well, Jesus put it this way, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophet, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. You see, on this Easter Sunday, we have four things that we want to leave with you this morning, and I pray that they will take root in your heart. Number one, John 3.16, the gospel in a gospel. The summation of all that Jesus is, did, and has done, will do. For God so loved the world. God so loved you. 1 John 4, 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. 1 John three sixteen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We in our own human comprehension cannot understand that love of God that, that passes all human understanding. For the finite, limited, created man is trying his best to understand the love of God, the infinite, the creator. We can't do it. The Bible tells us here in his love, not that we love God. That's no big deal. So many of us come to God thinking we have something to offer him. The reality is God has given us everything. The reality of his love is, is consummated in His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. God so loved the world, the Bible says. That love, Paul puts it this way, in Romans 8, 37, 39, For in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced, he would continue, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we see the absolute love of God shown to us through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, His one and only Son. I'll assure you that I wouldn't give my son, our sons, if I had only one child, I wouldn't give that child. If I had many, I wouldn't give the child for you. I have a hard time comprehending how a father can willingly send his only son, only begotten son, the only one that he has, that he ever will have, his offspring. 
to come into this world to proclaim the message of the Father, to live a life that was sinless, and in spite of his perfect sinless life, would knowingly, willingly allow himself to be tortured and humiliated and die a sinner's death on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might have the righteousness of God. Wow. God so loved you. Can you comprehend that? Whoever you are, whatever you've done. You see, the enemy, Satan, is going to remind you of your past. And we, when he does that, by faith in Jesus Christ, remind him of his future. That doesn't look good when you read Revelation, when he is cast into the lake of fire once and for all. His only begotten son. You see, the tragedy ultimately becomes not that God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. It's that few listen. Few pay attention. And as Jesus said himself, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophet, they'll not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. The Bible says that even after the resurrection and the soldiers came and reported to the Jewish leaders, the Jewish leaders paid them to tell them that the body was stolen, lest there come a massive turn to Jesus Christ. Well, the enemy has been telling you all of your life, don't believe these gospel stories. Don't believe this resurrection. Don't believe that he's coming again to receive you unto himself, that where he is, there you may be also. Don't believe it the enemy would tell you because the story is true that Jesus died for your sins and for mine and that God loved you that much. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says that Jesus submitted himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. He was willing to humble himself to become like a servant. You see, the gospel in a nutshell tells us simply this, is that God loved us so much that he looked upon sinful man and he looked down on this planet earth and saw that mankind had begun to confuse what God's plan of salvation was. He picked the nation of Israel to proclaim this message to the non-Jewish world. Well, they took it to be a sign of, of being an elite doctrine that was reserved only for their nation. And so he sent Jesus into the world, and the Bible says that whosoever believes, that's Gentile, non-Jew, and Jew alike. So we are all on an equal plane. God loves you as much as he loves anyone else. Well, whoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us in John 11, verses 25 through 26, Jesus said to Mary, to Martha, at the tomb of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. 
and everyone who lives and believes in me, Jesus said, will never die. And then he asked that question, do you believe this? And through the pages of history, every person in every generation has been posed that question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son? Do you believe in Him? If you do, the empty tomb is proof positive that you'll never die. You'll have everlasting life. When you breathe that last breath in your body and you step into eternity, Jesus takes your hand and pulls you through the gates of heaven. As a believer in Jesus Christ, the Son of Man is here. Jesus the Son of God, wow, should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believes, there's so many people that I've talked to over the years that believes because of the things that you have done, the places you have been, the, the life that you have lived eliminates you from ever knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, and you are the whoever, I am the whoever. You, everyone who has ever lived, ever will live, who is living today is in that whoever category. God sent Jesus for you. You see, God loves you as much as he has ever loved anyone else who has ever walked the face of this earth. Now that puts us all in good company. When I think of the great men of God, in addition to the apostles and some of the early disciples and the martyrs that have crossed the pages of history, and then I, I look at great preachers like Spurgeon and Moody and Billy Graham and others that have crossed the contemporary pages of history, I think, God, you love, you love me as much as you love them? And the answer to that is a resounding yes. He sent his only begotten son, and he loved you so much that he was willing to offer his son the ultimate, complete, final sacrifice for our sins. For the Bible says all have sinned, all of us. There's none righteous, no, not one. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in his sight. But then God says the wages of sin is death, separation from him, but he adds, but God. But the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. God loves you as much as he has ever loved anyone else who has ever lived. Secondly, God will never love you more in the future than he loves you right now. Now, here's the thing. We have this joy and this privilege of knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but so many people believe that there is some kind of ledger up there that God is simply saying, I will save you based on whether or not your works that are good outweigh the works that you did that are bad. Well, Islam believes that. Muslims believe that. They just pray that their good outweighs their bad. The reality is, is that God loves you as much today as he ever will in the future. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more than when he loves you now. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved, through faith, not of works, not of yourselves, by grace. 
We can't comprehend the depth of God's grace that was sent His only begotten Son, but we embrace it. We embrace it. God loves you as much now as He ever will. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more in the future than He loves you right now. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever your situation might be, understand God loves you as much as He's loved anyone else. God loves you as much as He today as He ever will in the future. And then thirdly, God has a plan for your life. Whoever believes in Him, the Bible says, shall not perish but have everlasting life. You see, when Jesus said, Lord, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit, and then he said, it is finished, and bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Oh, you could hear the halls of, of hell laugh with the, through the corridors of eternity. We did it. We killed the only begotten Son of God. We, we nailed him to the cross. He's dead. And then when that tomb was rolled away, the Bible says there was a bright light inside that came out of the tomb because Jesus is the light. He is the light of men. He is the light of the universe. Jesus is the one that came out and said, not so fast. They asked a little girl one time, what do you think Jesus' first words were when he came out of the tomb? And the little girl just kind of looked at the teacher and said, Ta-da! I like that. Jesus is saying to Satan, I have the last word. I have the keys to the kingdom. I have the keys to death. And they're going to be thrown into that lake of fire with you one day, Satan, because death is your tool. Life is the tool of Jesus. We have everlasting life. Death was Satan's ultimate victory over God's creation, humans. But God had the last word. The resurrection responded with a resounding victory cry. I am the resurrection and the life. Ta-da! He who believes in me will live even though he die. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He's the portal. This is why we celebrate the empty tomb. This is what we're here for. Now, some of you believe that you might be able to come to God through any means necessary. You know, maybe all paths, you think, lead to God. Good works, prayers, religious activity, religious acts, uh, good community service, and on and on and on. Jesus at that Last Supper, on Thursday evening of the Passover, Jesus told the disciples, do not be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. For I am the way. Thomas asked, Lord, we don't know the way. Jesus says, yes, you do. You know me. I am the only way. I am the only truth. And I am the only life. Now hear this, people. No one comes to the Father but through Jesus. These are his words, not mine. Take issue with him. Don't take it with me if you feel that there are other alternatives to salvation. But understand that God loves you so much that he gave you Jesus. 
that through Jesus, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man shall enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out. The Bible tells us in Acts 4.12, there's no other name given among men under heaven that whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. What does he say in John 3.16? Whosoever believes in him, Jesus, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He continues on by saying, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of his one and only Son. What is clear, it's black and white. The Bible tells us in 1 John, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I don't know how clear it can be. But I pray, if you're listening to this message, and Easter Sunday, maybe you're stuck on Friday. Maybe you're just, you're just in a remorseful situation. And maybe you feel as though you have been wrongly accused, wrongly crucified, perhaps whatever your lot in life is, and you're stuck on Friday. I pray that you look at the stone that has been rolled away, not to let Jesus out, but to let you in to see that he has risen. He is alive. And by his resurrection, you and I have life abundant and everlasting. Oh, I pray that this is going to be your situation today and forever. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right now, where you are, just bow your head and say a prayer that's similar to this. Lord Jesus, I know that I have sinned, I have gone against you, and my sin has separated me from you. Please, Father, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make me what you want me to be. I yield my life to you. And then thank God for coming into your life, because it's that simple. The enemy wants you to know that it's not that simple. He wants you to think. It's, it's got to be more than that. It's not. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. For whosoever believes in him, Jesus, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, I'm one of those whosoever, and I trusted in you, and I do trust in you to this day. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're in that Saturday situation. Maybe you just don't know. There's just so many questions that you might have. Well, today, yield your life to him. Let that Resurrection Sunday be alive in you. And for all of us, I pray that we'll draw closer to him. It matters not whether we're in our living rooms or wherever we might be today. What matters most is that we yield, open our hearts to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that we recognize him as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and that he is absolutely sovereign over our lives. Today, make that commitment. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we just ask your guidance upon us today. Be with us, Lord. May we honor you above all things. May we allow you lordship over our lives. Father, by faith. Oh, Lord, the resurrection Sunday can only be significant if we 
trust and believe in you with all our heart, all our minds, and all our strength. Father, I thank you. Father, thank you for your only begotten Son. Thank you for loving us so much that we can't fathom that love for the grace that sent your Son into this world. Lord, to live a life perfect, to proclaim your word perfectly, and to live and die on that cross. We believe that Jesus was buried, rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that if we would believe in him, we shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is our hope, Lord. When we stand at a grave, when we stand at a tomb, when we hear the news of a loved one who has passed on, Lord God, thank you for the assurance of life after life. Be with us now. May we honor you above all things. In Jesus' precious name we pray these things. Amen. And may the Lord's richest blessings be yours today and in the days yet to come.